Welcome to the 336th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. Stay tuned for my interview with thriller writer Lorraine Evanoff, author of the thriller novels Foliage and Pinot Noir. Stay tuned for the interview. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen to audiobooks during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best, your local bookseller. Reading and Writing Podcast Special Offer. Get two audiobooks for the price of one with your first month of membership with code RWPODCAST. That's code RWPODCAST for two audiobooks for the price of one for your first month of membership at Libro.fm. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Lorraine Evanoff, author of the new novel Pinot Noir, the second book featuring her character Louise Moscow. Lorraine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Well, if someone hasn't heard yet about your new novel, Pinot Noir, how would you describe the novel? Um, I better turn off my my uh, texting. Um, the uh, novel is another international banking spy scandal that's based on real uh, events. And then uh, my novels are always kind of historical fiction. And then they, you know, I do a lot of, <laughs> I embellish a lot. Uh, so it's a, it starts out with another banking scandal that's murder this time. And then Louise Moscow is kind of brought in uh, to solve the real, who really killed the, um, the victim, who's uh, one of the biggest bankers in the world. And, uh, then that trail that she's on leads her to a whole other um, real life uh, um, human trafficking kind of scandal as well. So, and they're all kind of interrelated. That's the amazing thing to me when I get into these books and start delving in. It is amazing how they are interrelated. And do you remember the original idea that kind of led you to write Pinot Noir? Yeah, I do. Um, when I was on the book tour for Foliage, I was in um, uh, this really great uh, bookstore in uh, Chicago, and my mom was in the audience, and you know everybody's chatting and asking questions. And my mom said, "You should call the next book because I was going to do a, another noir type book." My mom said, "You should call the next book Pinot Noir," and then it just kind of <laughs> stuck with me. And I was kind of obsessed with that title. And then that's what led me to having my character, Louise Moscow, go to Burgundy, which is the real true Pinot Noir grape uh, original uh, grapes uh, are truly there. So um, that was really fascinating to delve into all of that. And that's how I found that whole um, human trafficking scandal as well. And so what is it about your character, Louise Moscow, that you enjoy writing about her? I love that she just 
is so curious and wants to make connections. I've always been obsessed myself with making connections. I really feel that everything is connected. All of these, the, the amazing thing when I decided to do foliage, that banking scandal that foliage is based on, I lived in Paris at the time and friends of mine worked at that bank. And then I, so I always thought it was an amazing story that just kind of got brushed under the rug. And then, you know, uh, I decided to do the Pinot Noir on another banking scandal. And the first one, literally a month after I released it, I was kind of nervous about it because it's, it's, it's based on true uh, events that the day that like the month after foliage was released, the Panama papers came out. And then right when I was releasing Pinot Noir, all of this Jeffrey Epstein stuff started coming out and they're all interrelated. And so it's just weird that I've always had this instinct that these things are connected. And now this third novel, I'm 50,000 words in to writing the third novel. And it's even more amazing how all of these things have been connected over the years. So it's the last, since the, you know, the eighties really that all of this has been happening. And so what was your journey to writing fiction and getting your first novel, a spy novel or a thriller published? Well, um, I've worked in the film industry for a long time and I was also a French major. Uh, so I have this very strange, I call it left-handed Gemini thing where I do finance and uh, language. So I, lived in France for seven years. I speak French. My, I was a French major. And then I worked in the film industry for many years. And then I completely changed careers and went into finance. That's how I got into uh, Silicon Valley finance and uh, pre-IPO companies. So anyway, long story, I kind of went full circle back to kind of language roots. And I was writing screenplays. And my husband, who's a pretty big film producer, actually, um, he, he read one of my screenplays. He's like, you're really, your writing a style is much more for novels. And that kind of struck me as really true. Um, I think I just get into a lot of detail and, um, that's the kind of writing or reading I like. I love historical fiction. So that's how I got into, uh, I decided to write a novel. That's how I ended up deciding to write, uh, foliage because I was working in finance. I, that story had always stuck with me. They say, write what you know, and it just made sense to write that novel at the time. <laughs> so, so what did you um, bring with you in terms of your experience of writing screenplays? Was there anything that you brought to your novel writing? Oh yeah. That's actually a really interesting question because I've been, I've worked and now I went full circle into the film industry. I've been back in film industry for 10 years now, but um I, my, everybody who reads my books say that it feels like a movie and when is the movie coming out and things like that. So I think <laughs> there's something with the act. I know it's kind of ironic, but there's something with the visuals that I bring to my novels, I believe possibly um, that, and maybe it's just because I'm so used to movies and screenplays and uh, that world that it's just, I can't, divorce myself from it. It's just kind of second nature. Um, so do you ever sit down to write with a blank page and have problems getting started writing? And if so, what do you do when that happens? Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> my husband 
it said, I never have writer's block. And he's right. I, I just feel like I have so much going on in my head that it's almost a relief to put it down on paper, but it's true. I, I meditate. I meditate every morning that I'm about to write. I let that energy flow. Um, maybe it sounds a little uh, granola-y, but, but it really <laughs> helps me to kind of open up because it's, it's amazing to me when you start writing what comes out if you just follow a thread. It, and, I, and that's why I always encourage people who say they would like to try. I just say, and, the, and, and every writer I've heard says, just write. Because it, and, but you have, to, you have to be diligent and um, you have to be determined and all of those D words. You, know, you have to be disciplined. You really have to stick with it. So there is some of that. It's, it's not, it's not just like, oh, you start sitting down and you start writing. Sometimes it is, but sometimes I really have to focus. So. Sure. What other writing advice would you offer those who are writing their own stories and novels? Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Oh, I, um, I like to say that term, you know, follow the yellow brick road kind of, <laughs> not that you necessarily know the ending. I don't necessarily know the ending, but I do have, that's why I like historical fiction because I know there's a storyline there and then you just kind of stick with that and see where it takes you. You don't necessarily, and what I really love about doing it that way as well, they call it pantsing, <laughs> you know, like fly by the seat of your pants writing. Right. And I, I love doing that kind because it leads me like just to yesterday I was writing and I was kind of digging into some information, some history. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And it, it just opened up a whole new uh, route for the story. So it's um, just kind of follow follow a thread that it's hard to explain unless you do it, but, but, and, and, and like any screenplay, follow the yellow brick road. It's, it's, you've got to have a, 
a, you know, a setup and a payoff. You have to have a setup and a payoff. Maybe those are two different kinds of bits of advice, but to keep the more story moving forward, you set up everything and then it has to lead to something. What fiction or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoy? Oh, well, I am devouring the nonfiction that's out there right now. Like, um, Bill Browder's Red Notice about, you know, the Magnitsky Act, how that came about. Um, I just read David Enrich's uh, Dark Towers, because these are all, you know, related to finance, but they're amazing. They're like spy thrillers, all of them, and they're all true. And now I'm going to delve into, I also just read Michael Cohen's book, Disloyal, which was riveting, but disgusting and, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Also, I'm going to delve now into um, Too Much Is Never Enough or whatever, you know, Mary Trump's book. And uh, But so I read a lot of nonfiction at the same time I'm constantly reading. And it's but that is funny because it's mostly um, other authors who have me read like proofread their books, which I love doing as well, because they're great books. I get them before they're released and I help them. I am always, I'm really good. They love that. I find, I always find a lot of the typos and stuff. And these are like, you know, very well edited, <laughs> authors. <laughs> but I'm just that way. I'm just, I, I don't know. I can't help myself. So um, I read a lot of, and I've been reading like, um, so in those, I, I really love, I love thrillers. Dominique Piper is great. I think he's based in UK his novels are wonderful. He has a whole series of uh, spy thriller. And uh, I love Brian O'Sullivan. I love David Wilson. These are all people that I'm reading just because I, I can't read more than I am. And then I once in a while I'll go down to I'll go to a classic and I just read Failsafe, which is an amazing novel that's incredible. That was a movie was based on in the whatever year, 60s or something. And um and then, you know, I'll read like Ludlum or Dean Coons, who I adore. And uh I love his animal um characters in Dean Coons' books. So where, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? Um, the easiest way is Amazon. I have a website, LorraineEvanoff.com. Very simple. And uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I, um, I'm on you know Kindle Unlimited and paperback. <clears throat> Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Lorraine Evanoff, author of the new novel, Pinot Noir. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Lorraine, thanks for doing this interview. Oh, thank you so much. It was wonderful speaking to you. Great. And now stay tuned as Lorraine Evanoff reads from her novel, Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir, an international banking spy thriller. A Louise Moscow novel, book two. Written by Lorraine Evanoff and read by the author. Part 1. Trouble in Paradise Chapter 1. December 3, 1999 The 18th century building, a bastion of affluence and luxury, stood sentinel in the darkness, 
Its marble-floored corridors, festooned in tapestries and antiquities, provided safe passage between sumptuous chambers where its residents slept in tranquility. Help! Someone help, please! Nurse Teresa Lee was startled awake. The clock glowed 4.40 a.m., and the light under the door alarmed her. She put on a robe and cracked open the bedroom door. Her fellow nurse, Todd Mayer, held his hand over what appeared to be his own blood staining his shirt. Her first instinct was to rush out to help him. Stay there, Todd whispered, coming closer. You're bleeding, Teresa whispered back. I've been stabbed. Someone has broken in. Teresa tried to remain calm. Who? Where? Two men. I don't know who they are. They were wearing masks. Todd handed her a mobile phone. Call the police and get Mr. Almasi to his safe room. I'm going to get help. Teresa retreated back into her room and locked the door. She opened the inner door that led to her employer's adjacent bedroom. What the devil is happening? Her boss, the 67-year-old Israeli banker, Ekram M. Almasi, stood next to his bed, looking panic-stricken. He suffered from Parkinson's disease, and the terror in his eyes made him appear even more helpless. In a calm but forceful tone, Teresa said, There are intruders. We must move to safety. Teresa entered the bedroom and darted into the large dressing room. Almasi followed her, slammed the armored door, and activated the deadbolt. The expansive chamber had been converted to a bunker-like fortified room that included ample supplies, a wet bar, and a full bathroom. Teresa pushed buttons frantically on the mobile phone. I'll call Sophia. Call the police, Almasi shouted. Teresa ignored his order and con continued to call the head nurse, Sophia Helm. It's Teresa. There has been a break-in. Todd has been stabbed. Please call the police. A break-in, Almasi echoed. That's not possible. This is a secured building. Teresa stared at the phone, poised to answer. Finally, at 5.12 a.m., they heard the beating of approaching sirens. The police are here. We're safe. Teresa moved to open the door, but Almasi pulled her back. No, Almasi shouted. The intruders. Teresa waited, listening. Then they heard more sirens, and Teresa called Sophia again. What's happening? We hear sirens from the fire brigade. Tell her to call my security team, Almasi shouted. Teresa listened to Sophia, then hung up. The police are in the lobby searching for the burglars. They're not burglars, Almasi insisted. They're assassins. Assassins? But Teresa was suddenly distracted by smoke. There's a fire. Almasi and Teresa coughed violently as smoke billowed in through the ceiling. Please open the door, Monsieur Almasi. We won't survive this smoke more than 10 minutes. Stand back. He forced her into the corner. Call my security team. They are not here in Monte Carlo. We must get out now. No, they'll kill me. Terror fueled his panic as he scrambled to place wet towels along the bottom of the door in a futile effort as the conflagration engulfed the penthouse. Almasi groped for the pendant around his neck and held it up like a talisman, warding off evil. Teresa frantically made one final call to Sophia. Please help us, we're dying. The flames burst through the ceiling and Almasi kept Teresa pinned in the corner until she fell unconscious. Almasi inched toward the door, hearing the shouts from the firefighters just on the other side. He made it to the armchair before collapsing. The yelling faded as the fire chief moved his team out of the doomed penthouse wing. The safe room was now a furnace, the smoke searing Almasi's lungs, his eyes bulging with the realization of his self-fulfilling prophecy, being murdered by the devil himself.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.